another edition of the Sunday Forum right here on WMNF 80.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. This is your host, Walter L. Smith II, along with the members of the Fourth Estate. This great Sunday morning, it is nine minutes, nine minutes after the hour of 8 a.m. What's up, crew? Good morning. Good morning, Miko. How are you? Tired, but good. Okay, all right, all right. Perk on up, perk on up. Got a lot to talk about. Got a lot to talk about. Where's where's my big Mobili? Yes, sir. There he is. There he is. You know, you always be keeping the light off in the the back like you're trying to go to sleep. Yeah, I be trying to sneak in. Trying to go a couple of weeks. Sneak in and sneak out. (laughs) Hey, guys, listen. We got got a, a lot to talk about. How about... Did anybody read about the new Indian um, president? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to see what's going to happen. A little worried for her. Why? Why are you worried? Have you seen her? <laughs> yes, she. Lo- I thought she was black, actually, at first. 
<laughs> Just saying, did you have you seen her? I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Billy, have you seen her? No, I haven't seen her. Yeah, you should look it up. You might want to look a, at that. It's okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, I am a little worried. But and, and rightfully so. Because it's the first time that um someone from the so called lower castes mm-hmm. has been chosen as the president of India. Now there's only been how many uh Indian presidents that are fifteenth president. Okay. It's the fifteenth president. But how many and have been women? One? One. There's okay. been one. So she's the second. Okay. Yeah, she's the second. She's the second. All right, that's that's good. And, and of course, I, I want to reiterate the fact that she is very dark. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> her, her nose is mighty wide. And her lips are mighty thick. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, because they do. Um, the kind of African me. Yeah, they do um, discriminate there. Um you know, if you're dark or if you're from a certain caste. So, right. but Terrible. but I think um, I think she'll do well. I mean, this is this is a a special moment for them, right? Because right. women there are not treated with respect. Not at all. Uh, the men are mostly dominant there in that country. So the fact that we have a woman president, congratulations! I don't yeah. know her name. Sorry, yeah. Congra- uh, but we're, congratulations. We're going, we're, well, no, hold on, hold on. It looks like it's Jupati Murmu. There we go. Oh, More move. I was going. Oh, okay. uh, thank you very much. Very good. Mm-hmm. Say, say it again. Well, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. But <laughs> you it's say it true. right. Just have confidence. <laughs> okay, man. Confidently. Confidently say. Dropadi Murmu. There we go. Okay. And that is correct. That is very correct. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, congratulations, Dropadi Murmu, yes, who is the new president. First in first, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they, they did make reference to the fact that she is of the lower caste, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, in that she's the first president of the lower caste. Well, I'm not sure if that's true. She's not necessarily the first from the lower caste, but she is the first indigenous. It, well, yeah, the, and they, they refer to that. That's, that's the reference that they made. That's the reference mm-hmm. that they made in the article that, that that I read was that she was that she was of the. They made a point of saying that. She was of the lower caste, certainly of the indigenous group that she was there, um, of the protected indigenous group, as they mm-hmm, call it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and that's very important. That's extremely important. It, it, does anybody know why? No. Why? Because there have been discoveries of groups who are in India mm-hmm. that are very badly mistreated, Right. Yeah. We know that. Mm-hmm. But they. But there are also groups that are from the areas just off the coast mm-hmm. of India. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That they have just begun to interact with. Oh, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. There, there's been no outside, outside um, uh, Western, um, Western interaction, and that is very, very. Important because that when you have someone who is of those types of groups, it's then that you have the type of uh, empathy mm-hmm. that's necessary for those groups to survive. Mm-hmm. Because there has been there have been instances of uh, exploitation, mm-hmm. uh, 
through slavery yeah. and things of that nature that have that have happened with these people. Now, now, in, now, let's let's look at the history of some of these people really quickly. Um, in fact, that there are those that would argue, uh, they've tried to argue the point, saying that there is no African um, uh, yeah, influence or in, impact. That's not true. Yeah. My mom read that there is. It's yes. absolutely not true. Definitely. Now, um, whether they, whether they want to admit it or not, that's they a totally don't. different they don't, they don't admit it. Do not want to admit to that. Yeah. But that is that is something that you know. Hey, is what it is. But we are very glad for our President Mormon. She's okay. being sworn in actually on Monday. Excellent. Um, and she's sixty four, and she's from New Delhi. So yes, just, just a little mm-hmm. quick. Yes. But yes, congratulations, and uh, yeah, this is a great, great thing for Indian history. For well, the world, not just yeah. the Indian history, True. but just the world, man. Right, you it know, adds, well, go ahead. Go ahead, no, go ahead, go ahead, please. Yeah, well, her coming to power adds to a, a strong history of her group, of her uh, tribe, the Santhals, because they were famous for an uprising against British rule in the 1850s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very true. Very true. So that's what makes this particular... Well, not just that, but the fact that women now are... We're being looked so differently because now we're entering certain... Um, what am I trying to say? Certain things now, and we're, 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 we're getting in, in t- on top, which is wonderful. Um, we're not just... Doing regular jobs, we're doing high power jobs, which is which is great. Coming right. into power, that's right. 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 And, and, and I mean, we saw that. We see that. Obviously, we see that in the United States, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, I mean, extremely, extremely um, powerful positions. Yes. That have <laughs> that have scared. <laughs> that have scared. Other. That have scared those people who are. Less than desirable groups, mm-hmm. um, and uh, then you have those those women who are heads of state in on in on the continent of Africa, right? Uh, Ethiopia, mm-hmm. Liberia, uh, Malawi. Um, you know, who would have thought that in Ethiopia you would have had that kind of leadership? Yeah. Probably, probably so with Ethiopia. They were a lot more progressive than a lot of other African nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malawi, I absolutely didn't see that one coming. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that right now. Malawi, um, with um, President Banda, the, the the new President Banda, who was the um, the 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 female president. Honestly, that took me totally off guard because I lived there, and I, I lived under the regime of H. Kamuzu Banda, mm-hmm. who was the the very first president who died fairly recently. So, actually, like, Malawi is like on his third, maybe fourth president. Okay. Literally. Since 1962. Hmm. In liberation, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. Um, So, seeing a woman in power and seeing that she was the second president of the country well, third, third, because the second one would have been the one who was, who was the interim, mm-hmm. so to speak. But after the the democratic elections, and she was chosen democratically, that shocked me. I got to tell you, that's really shocking. I mean, 
Hey, uh, but hey, that's that's how that's that's great. That's wonderful. Uh, the people who were in parliament in Ethiopia, the people who were in parliament in um, in Liberia, um, what we've what we've seen in India mm-hmm. many many times yeah. is women who have led movements, but they've been assassinated. That's been the one thing that's been very consistent with India is they've been assassinated. Um, we saw um, President Bhutto, who was assassinated um, in this in this in the first decade of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um, no, second decade in, in second decade of the of the 21st century. President Bhutto was assassinated in India. Um, and her son family had to flee as a result of that. Of course, the Bhutto family has always been in politics in, in that country, mm-hmm. and um, they have been uh, very outspoken. Uh, but nevertheless, hey, this is how it is. I am I am looking forward to seeing someone in. I don't know. Who, who, let's pick a let's pick a nation. <laughs> Who's next? Who's next with a woman? <laughs> the USA. The U- are, are we gonna be next, man? You think we're gonna be next? I hope so. I, you know, let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens, man. I mean, it, it it it's not impossible. I don't see it as being impossible. I see that we're making we're making some real big headway. It's not impossible, to that. but it's gonna be a challenge for sure because of who is in office and stuff. So. Uh, We'll see. Yeah. 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 It's going to be a challenge. It's going to yeah. be a challenge. Hey, listen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Not the horn? Anybody? No? Mm-mm. You guys are killing me, man. <laughs> killing me this morning. It's too early. <laughs> you better wake on up. We got, we, ain't, no, ain't no too early here on the Sunday forum. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Too early. Hey, listen. We got great show today. Great show today. Um, we have two um, in-studio guests today. First time we've had in-studio guests because we got permission. <laughs> now we got permission to do it now. So, um, and we're going to be talking about two things. One, uh, we're going to be talking about this issue of the 6-3 vote. We're going to go a little deeper on the 6-3 vote with regard to the Supreme Court uh, decision on clean air uh, oversight and carbon emissions with regard to EPA's ability to oversee EPA, uh, I'm sorry, uh, carbon emissions in the United States. Now, mind you, let me be very clear. The vote was 6-3. It was three weeks ago, and it it stated that the EPA did not have the ability to oversee carbon emissions in the United States. Period. Okay? Okay. That it was bad. That's a very bad thing. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a, in a few minutes. We're gonna talk about this issue of coal ash. This thing called coal ash, and we're gonna talk about its relationship, all that, and its relationship to where we are right here in Hillsborough County. Okay, and and about nine thirty, we we have some new guests that are coming in who are going to be discussing the question of charter school. The question of charter schools, where are we on that now? Um, there have been some, there have been those who have been outright opponents to charter schools um, entirely. 
there are those who have been uh, in in favor of charter schools, right? Um, entirely, as in like eliminating our public school system, revamping it, and then, ha, here you go, right? Mm -hmm. But then the question becomes resources, right? And that is a very, very important question, especially when you're looking at poor communities. Mm -hmm. And more specifically, when you look at the black community, very, very important. So we are, we have a great show this morning Great, great show this morning. Um, our first guest this morning um, is going to be one of my dear friends, dear, dear friends, uh, and supporter of WMNF as well. Um, great supporter of the Sunday Forum uh, and a mentor to me in engineering, uh, my dear friend Jim Shirt. Mr. Jim Shirt, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Doing great, man. Glad to have you here, man. Hey, it's this is the first time, and it's a wonderful time to be here, my friend. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Hey, listen, we are excited to have uh, Jim in the studio with us today. Um, he's an environmental engineer. Tell, tell us about yourself, Jim. You've been at this for a while, man. Yeah, I've, I've been doing this for uh, 50 years, and... Yeah, I, uh, my degrees are in civil engineering with a specialty in, in uh, environment. And mostly I've done, well, I've done a lot of work in hazardous waste, wastewater, uh, not so much in air, but plenty of, uh, plenty of work in hazardous waste, solid waste, um, environmental cleanups, like uh, uh, I've done a, a whole lot of gas station cleanups and things like that. Uh, basically, it's just sort of a uh, broad-ranging career. In, uh, in environmental engineering. Um, and believe me, Florida's a great place to practice because it's so messed up. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it, it's not like practicing in Vermont where it's all clean. That, that's, the, that's the curse of being an environmental engineer is you get into it because you love the environment and then you wind up in places where it's really messed up. So uh, this is my big chance, I guess, to talk about something that I very much enjoy. Um, the uh, I want to especially shout out to uh, to Walter and, and uh, for letting me here for this opportunity and uh, uh, I think this is a chance to uh, get some uh, some environmental justice, which frankly is is one of the um, one of the issues that I'm I'm very 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 um, dedicated to because it's it's something that we in the Sierra Club, for example, have have made a practice and. Uh, we can't have uh, environmental quality without environmental justice. You can't, I mean, the environment is all around us, and you can't say, okay, you guys get environmental quality and you guys don't. It's, you know, we're all in this together, literally. Uh, can I ask you one question? I had a friend who asked me yesterday if our Tampa Electric Company uses natural gas. Um, yeah, they do. They use natural gas, they use coal. Um, and they have used coal in the past. Uh, everybody's phasing out coal for for economic reasons, not environmental reasons. But um, yeah, uh, Tico uses natural gas. They have some solar, um, mm -hmm. but uh, a lot of natural gas. So they they say the environmental benefits of natural gas is it's the cleanest fossil fuel 
on the market today because it produces much lower emissions than those of other fossil fuels like coal or oil. And that is also extraordinarily efficient. Is that is that what Sierra Club believes? Uh, actually, um, my belief, and I haven't discussed this with uh, the Sierra Club as a as a as a policy issue. Mm-hmm. My, my personal belief is that um, yes, uh, it's less polluting than than coal, about half the carbon emissions. But that's like saying that that this is the uh, uh, he's the he's the um, um, the the least racist person you know. <laughs> um, that's you know it's, it's like slightly better. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like uh, yeah you know he's he um, uh, he didn't cut the tips off the laces before he whipped you, uh, sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, uh, natural gas, uh, everybody is out being an apologist for natural gas. It's, you know, it's a transition to the future, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's still terrible. And the main reason it's terrible is not necessarily because of the emissions. It's because of the methane. Because um, a, a natural gas-based um, environmental system has, you know, has tremendous leakage of methane. And that was one of the big fights in the env- environmental community a couple of years ago. Um, uh, was was when uh, the former president, whom I won't name, um, <laughs> he knows the rule. <laughs> That's how much of a fan he is. He knows the rule. The, the, <laughs> former, the, the former president. You know who? Yeah. yeah. You know who? Number three. <laughs> um, the uh, the former president's uh, uh, minions that he plugged into the EPA um, stopped or, or stopped the uh, the law against uh, requiring uh, gas companies to monitor and control emissions of, of methane from, you know, just sources like uh, leaky valves and like that. Methane is very, very mobile gas. It's a very small molecule. and go a lot of places. And mostly it can creep right through uh, collection systems. So I have a question. So when it comes to um, Florida, well, particularly... Hillsborough County in specific, what have you discovered about our gas and about our air and our water? So what what is going on as far as, is it clean? Has it been, uh, has it been, um, you know, dirty? Or like what, what, what have you discovered with working with Walter? Uh, well, the, the main thing I've discovered is, is the fact that the, uh, uh, air quality is is really comp- uh, air quality in Florida is compromised by transportation. That's the big source of emissions and the big source of air pollution. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the Florida DOT is re- resolutely <laughs> not looking at that in terms of environmental impact from uh, expanding the interstates. Um, the, uh, the interestingly enough, the 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 Hillsborough. Uh, uh, Transportation Planning Organization has an initiative of putting out, um, uh, distributing um, low-cost um, continuous monitoring systems in areas that are uh, affected mostly by contamination. They, they're putting one right in north of uh, north of I four in West Ebor, and um, in pardon me in, in North Ebor, and it'll um, it'll it'll be a chance for you know, the, the average person on the street to see what's happening in real time. Um, the, uh, 
it's it's something that's been long overdue and and our, our our real problem tends to be in the summertime and it tends to be from ozone generated by um um uh, uh sunlight reacting with hydrocarbons and uh, sulfur compounds and it's just you know it, it it's something that that everybody everybody in the transportation community is looking fiercely the other way but um that's interesting that's um, interesting the, uh, the 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 water quality in Tampa is is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the the drinking water is you know is, is not a, not necessarily a problem. Um, it will be in the future, obviously, because we're running out of it. Um, and um, but you know, environmentally speaking, Tampa's in pretty good shape. Um, I, I would be careful getting out on sunny uh, sunny uh, s- summer afternoons because you can breathe a lot of crappy. Um, uh, daughter compounds from uh, from air pollution. So, um, and and you know that's something we need to address as a community because um, it does affect the the African American community in the in the you know Ebor area and anywhere along the interstates is is pretty pretty contaminated. So um, there should be um, places for kids to go, like libraries, where they can at least have a decent air quality and maybe, you know, get some information while they're there. Um, and schools should be, you know, open at least in, you know, at, at part of the day. And, and maybe that would help with some of the, uh, some of the food issues. Um, but, you know, it's, it's something that's manageable. We just have to convince our uh, elected officials to manage it. Okay. So, so, so in, in in dealing with the issue of coal ash, um, we talk about coal ash as though some people talk about it and they have no idea what coal ash is. Absolutely not. Um, and I, I was I was shocked, you know, as I began working more and more with the issue of coal ash and utilities um, to find the things that I did find, which were... You know, unlined coal ash ponds, um, having more that 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 uh, our electric company, Tico, um, has more unlined coal ash ponds than anyone had had right in in flood zones within a flood zone, right? They had eleven coal ash ponds, eleven that were unlined, according to Earth Justice, um, and according to everybody here, EPA, Earth Justice, and everybody else. Uh, who'd investigated, and it was admitted. It was recognized that that was the case. More recently, the result, the 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 resolution to that apparently had been to remediate that. Now, their form of remediation that was done was to create a bigger pond that can hold more coal ash, hold all the coal ash from the other ponds. And they continue to create more coal ash. Now, what troubles me about that is what I just said. And if it doesn't trouble you, it should. Believe me, it should. Um, What troubles me about that is the fact that they continue to do it, knowing that one of the issues that we've had with this is is whether or not, not whether or not, I'm sorry, when we have the Cat 4 or Cat 5 
hurricane that's going to hit this coast at some point, you're looking at 40-foot surge wave surges that will breach these coal ash ponds. Now, they breach the coal ash ponds. What happens? That's going to be a, a massive flood, massive flood. Jim, what happens? Well, when you... Um when the storm surge hits and breaches the, uh, the 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 pond wall, the dikes around the ponds, uh, it's it flushes out. Um, you saw this happen in Tennessee with um, with a, a major coal ash spill there, where um, the whole river valley was contaminated. And um, in Florida, because it's really flat, and uh, the one I'm really thinking about is the one in Progress Village. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's going to spread out all around it and make the uh, make the place um, extremely unlivable. Um, let's talk about the toxicity of coal ash for a second. Um, any, anything we do with coal ash has to recognize the fact that, that working with it is like working with any other hazardous material. The, the workers are at extreme risk, and um, the way that the federal government is uh, approaching coal ash is they've sort of carved it out, and they, they're saying, oh, this is not a hazardous waste. Well, it is. Um, and... Uh, there are several hundred workers that worked on the cleanup in the Tennessee spill that um, have brought suit against um, against the coal comp- against the power company, um, and that's still in litigation because, of course, power companies hire more attorneys than uh, than individuals do. So, um, anything that that you do with coal ash, coal ash, you must remember that it's effectively a hazardous waste. Um, it's not legally hazardous waste, but it's going to it's going to be very disruptive, and and uh, people's health is going to be very much compromised in working with it unless they unless they prepare for it and use proper protective equipment. Um, something that Walter's, by the way, uh, the expert on. Um, but I'd like to talk about the remediation I'm options. Flattered. <laughs> I'm flattered, sir. Anyway, but yeah, you had a whole school doing that, man. <laughs> well, listen, we, the the that's that's important. I mean, like, like, can you imagine? Imagine what Jim just got finished telling you, right? And and recognize the fact that this is going to happen, and the fact that this was never and still is not resolved. My recommendation has always been to them to Tico that they go ahead and stop, stop the use of coal, remediate the land, and go ahead and use solar. Now, Jim, you went on the, on the toxic bus tour. Yeah. On the toxic bus tour. On the toxic bus tour, we went to, if you go to the TECO website, you will find uh, under their um, community section, you will find it's the community section, and you talk about their their solar program. You will find how they how they actually invested millions of dollars in creating a solar grid, an isolated solar grid, self-contained solar grid for a place called South Bay Shore. South Bay Shore, right there in Waimama, which is only moments away from the Tico plant. Yet it is outside of the floodplain, the flood zone. Now, my, just just a thought, just a thought. Okay, 
There's a diversity, equity, and inclusion program at Tampa Electric Company. Um, my question to the members of the of, of Tampa Electric Company is, um, how come you didn't put that microgrid in Progress Village or Palm River or Clearmail to support that closely? That because they're in the same area, right next to each other. Why didn't? Why wasn't that? Pilot, right? Watch this. Is a pilot program that's put in place. Mm. Well, I, I think I think the question answers itself there, Walter. Right. <laughs> what's the demographic? It's, it's white. Yeah, and what's the what's 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 the financial demographic? Three hundred. Put this put this way. The way you judge that is. How much of the houses were? There are 40 houses in the subdivision, by the way. So 40 of them. So you you fundamentally wasted millions of dollars on 40 brand new houses to see if a pilot program works in Florida. Really? A pilot solar program. Yeah. Um, a, mm. a friend of mine did a, did a, a microgrid project in Haiti. And and she had uh, hers was like four hundred homes, and it it was working beautifully until it got wiped out by Maria. And, wow! And that's uh, that, that's a tragedy in itself. But it, it worked before that, and you know, it, Haiti is not exactly a wealthy nation, and if if they could manage to create a, a, a microgrid for four hundred uh, residences, and have it have it be successful, then I'm I'm sure we could do. Something better than forty uh, million dollar homes. You think? Yeah. You think? Uh, the, the homes were worth uh, what? Three hundred k. Three hundred. Three hundred and up. Wow. Three hundred up. Forty homes. So instead of and in, 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 in with a diversity equity, an adversity inclusion and energy equity program in place, that's the best you can do. That to me it show to me it shows a detachment. Right I, now, if I the best I can give them as an excuse, if I were to give them an excuse, which I don't, uh, but the best I could possibly give them for an excuse on that is, we didn't know about Progress Village. That's the best I can possibly give them. Well, you know, it's like uh, they're they're looking. It's like looking for your car keys. <laughs> you know, you where do you drop them? Oh, over there. Why, right. why are you looking here? Because right. the light's better. <laughs> right, right, right. It, it's it, unbelievable, unbelievable, man, unbelievable. Hey, listen, we are, this is 841, 841, 841, this beautiful Sunday morning. We are glad to have you here with us here on the Sunday Forum. Our guest this morning is uh, Brother Jim Shirk, uh, fellow engineer, uh, who is here in the studio with us to discuss this issue of coal ash and the six three decision, Jim six three. Yeah, I'm remarkable how that maps on their same decision regarding Roe v. Wade. Right. And uh, right. The, the the worst part about that decision is not the uh, not its impact on on CO two emissions, which is bad enough. But the worst part is that it's um, going to be used to um, destroy the regulatory. Environment in in its entirety, because what the what the Supreme Court is saying is that uh, you can't create regulations without um, 
them being voted on or being passed as part of a law. So that means that, you know, when you come to, you know, floodplain regulations or any other regulation that's for, uh, that's done to, uh, uh, for the health and safety of the community, um, if it's not, um, if it's not originating with a law, I mean, with, you know, like something specific, then uh, it's unenforceable. And what, no, this is right at the heart of um, civilization. It's not, you know, it's, it's like they're saying, okay, we can't use science, we can't use engineering, we can't use en- anything. We have to, we have to go back to this archaic means of creating energy. Uh, yeah, we have uh, actually what they're trying. What they're trying to do is they're trying to destroy our civilization, and they're doing a damn good job of it. Human rights. Oh, Human goodbye. Rights. Right. So I, I mean, like, my thing has been consistently to say to those opponents of what's happening. Uh, like my friend, wife Malcolm would would say, you know, you need to be intentional with your words. You met wife. Oh yeah. At one of our one of our events, um, as we had a uh, a think tank and um, energy uh, equity symposium, and you know, you need to be intentional with your words. You know, it it, it is. Uh, it is a violation of human rights. What we're seeing is a violation of human rights. Uh, um, and in the process of making a buck. Yeah. So, But my question becomes, you know, once again, this the Supreme Court full of conservatives have shown how out of step they are. And <coughs> what people in Progress Village and any community around, especially throughout the state of Florida, is that it's hot. Drought is the story of the year. And it's hot. And that's the one thing we all know and feel and can see. And it can't be disputed. And when you look at, you know, you talk about the coal ash ponds. And I'm worried about the greenhouse effect. You know, we talk about the carbon dioxide. You know, the Supreme Court said now the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, doesn't have the jurisdiction to regulate carbon dioxide emissions and we talked about natural gas and how it emits methane and we also know nitrous oxide and other water vapors what about the greenhouse effect and how can we come to bear on our producers of energy that you know it is of important expedience to get out of this business of just making a buck regardless of what the impact is. You talk coal ash, but what about the greenhouse effect? Uh, can I take that? Please. Okay. Well, the, the greenhouse effect is, is, the, uh, is the ultimate um, problem that's, that's caused by the, um, by the CO2, by the uh, carbon di- uh, by the methane emissions, etc. Um, the problem is that um, we have a, uh, a neoliberal government and uh, the Democrats are just as neoliberal. They just, you know, they're a little better on human rights. Um, I never thought I'd say that. Uh, but the the problem is, and, and this is uh, the thing is that that all of the um, uh, all the all the um, investor owned utilities uh, have enough economic and uh, political power. To, to enforce their will, and their will is to do what makes them the most money, and and mostly, it's not just to make money. It's it's whether or not pe- people can tell them what to do, mm-hmm. and 
they don't want anybody telling them what to do. They want to do what they want to do and just not be bothered. And until we can uh, get control back of politics, uh, we're, you know, we're going to be, uh, you know, kicking at the wheels on the, on the tank. Um, the, uh, the problem we have in, in Tallahassee is uh, the gerrymandering has, has turned what had been a, a, a fairly purple state into something deep red and uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to get that back and you know uh, God bless her I you know I will vote for whoever is against uh, Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. uh, is that a name I can't mention you know, we, okay. we, we haven't gotten there yet. We okay. gotten there you can yet. make up your name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ron Death Sentence. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We can put it there. Anyway, we're not supposed to be political because we're not. Um, but I'm just, you know, trying to be analytical about this thing. Um, but I want to talk about how, what we can do about the existing coal ash ponds. Yes. Um, but now, before you do that, yeah. let me just say... Um, I have the, I have an opponent. I'm an opponent who is a friend's a friendly opponent uh, who got with me on on was it uh, LinkedIn on LinkedIn? Yeah. LinkedIn. So we were going back and forth, and and he says to me, he says, well, "Walter, he's one, another mentor." He says, well, "Walter, um, you know, you can keep your your." Um, <laughs> Your activist viewpoint, and I keep my engineering viewpoint. I was insulted. Mm. Oh, how dare you, sir! <laughs> so he goes, he makes that statement, and and I said, what makes your position on this more of an engineering position or intellectually uh, set than than mine? You know, uh, you know, I, I I'm going by science, the same way you're going by science, right? And he said, well, okay. He took, a st- he took a step back and he said, listen, I get really pissed at Tico. I get really pissed at Tico. Um, and in fact, um, he says, he goes on to say, um, oh, God. He says, um, He goes on to say, one second, I'm sorry, please forget, I'm a little, little distracted there. Um, goes on to say, well, they're lazy because they are, there are other means of disposing of or using their recyclable, re- recycling possibilities with regard to coal ash. I'm aware of that. But first of all, like he said, they're expensive. And it takes too much brain power for them, right? That's the first thing. So at least we, we see eye to eye on that point as well. But the, but I think he's more on, in line with that aspect of it in terms of what to do with the uh, byproduct as opposed to um, the regulation of it and so forth. Right now, we know that it's been pointed out that Tico has been selling this stuff to somebody, but we don't know who. And they're not by law required to tell us that because 
there's no because they've been said it's been it's been pointed out or better yet because it's not been determined that or let me not say that because it has been determined that this is a hazardous waste but it just hasn't been labeled as such wow so like yeah um that's that's a really major factor and the, the fact that it's uh that they've been able to skip over the uh constraints imposed on hazardous waste management um the uh, the workers up in Tennessee that were you know badly affected by dealing with this coal ash, which is a carcinogen and everything else. Um, whenever you're dealing with uh, that, that's a major factor in, in looking at, at at options for dealing with it. Um, basically, you can you can dig it up, you can convert it into um, road base or something like that, um, or you can you can manage it in place and. The thing is that if you dig it up and use this road base, or dig it up and call it off to a up to an uplands landfill, you're going to have a lot of dust in the air, and it's right. very hazardous dust in the air. And um, if if the if the employers aren't um, required to provide proper safety precautions, they're going to be a lot of sick workers and. The cost of society is going to be borne by those sick workers, just like the people who dealt with the uh, um, Horizon oil spill um, mm-hmm. are uh, dealing with those health issues now. Um, by not caring, calling it a hazardous waste, you give um, employers uh, the, a pass, a pass, the latitude to do whatever they want. Um, my preferred management technique, and I, I did this when I worked for a, a major chemical company back in the nineties was um, to stabilize these um, contaminants in place. Um, it's, it's not cheap, and there, but there are ways to do it, and there are ways to do it effectively and, and non-hazardously with adding uh, Portland cement, adding um, other, even fly ash, other... Uh, other Containing. Uh, yeah, and then... Uh, but you have to be very careful. Uh, the, the typical way of doing... The stabilization in place is to just dump a bunch of Portland cement on the ground, on, on the top of the uh, contaminants, uh, the, the pond, and then start digging, you know, stirring it around with something that looks like a, a very large um, kitchen mixer. Um, there's a company in Finland that's developed a process that's much more efficient, um, doesn't waste nearly as much of the, co- of the, uh, of the binding agent, and... Uh, releases much uh, very little to the air it's not cheap but on the other hand it's much more environmentally sound than uh, trying to dig it up or um, trying to convert it into road base which uh, to me is just terribly irresponsible when when, uh, when when we talk about digging it up there's a containment process and and, 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 and folks we're talking engineering here but but we're putting this in in the easiest terms we can possibly put them. This type of this type of thing when we talk about digging it up or removing it and so forth, it's all on, falls under remediation, which is correction of something that has been contaminated, of an area that's been contaminated. Okay, this is important information for us to know because this affects our community. If you just if you're just tuning in, folks, you probably heard. The heard Jim talk about the air contamination. The air contamination. So that means that if there is a disposal of this stuff, 
you dispose of them in the way, in the way they want to right now, right? Yes. That's dangerous. And it, and it affects the people in the communities there in that immediate area and beyond. And beyond. It will contribute to smog. It'll continue. It'll contribute to cancer. It'll contribute to um, uh, 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 breaches of the, of the water table where people are getting their drinking water or the water that goes into their water wells. These are things that, that are happening. As a matter of fact, thallium, which is one of the, one of the chemicals that's found in, in this, thallium has been found and identified as one of the chemicals that is in coal ash. That's also um, on site there. It's affected the groundwater there on site there at the Tico plant, as well as the areas around outside of that site is affected the groundwater table. Arsenic levels, all these levels have gone up. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. But we keep paying them. We keep paying them. And we and, and we keep not saying anything or acting as though this is not going on. Or, or, or better yet, there are too many people who don't know that this is happening. And that I think that's my biggest frustration is that there are too many people who don't know that this is happening. And we here at the Sunday Forum and beyond have done a lot in order to make sure that people understand this is not a passing thing. This is not something that you can just thumb your nose at or turn your head on and just go on. This affects everything that we're doing now. I mean, we can run a line and make a connection to food justice, energy equity, human rights violations. Where else we want to go? I mean, you know, redlining. What, 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 what you want to talk about? <laughs> I mean, there's a connection. Yeah, there's there's a absolutely a connection about the about all of these things. One one big one big uh, red flag. School to prison pipeline. The autism. The labeling of, of our children, and when when the majority of the children come from our communities that are devastated by this, then you know there's a label that's put on them, right? Uh, or or we turn our back and we don't know we don't dig deeper. There's no testing that's being done in order to make the connection. There's a refusal to do such a thing. We need to be out there, really, you know, NAACP. We gotta do something. Urban League. We gotta do something. This is you know to say that oh okay well we put this in a in a big old containment pond that is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. Well, actually, if if they use a if they stabilize it and cap it properly and. If necessary, put up a slurry wall around it. Um, I, I prefer just about anything to digging it up, just because of the environmental hazards in, in the excavation mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fact is that this whole area is going to be underwater in 50 years, and it's going to be going to be released into the environment from from that being underwater. And, uh, um, but anyway, going come with something. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta come up with something, man. This is this is craziness. Got any, any more questions, folks? I mean, hey, 813 239 9663. 813 239 9663. This is Walter Smith II, the host of the Sunday Forum, along with members of the Fourth Estate crew. And our guest this morning is Brother Jim Shirk, 
who's come in to talk with us about these, these environmental issues that we're faced with that are right up under our nose, literally and figuratively. Literally and figuratively, we are breathing this stuff. Right? We're breathing this. And it could be worse. Could be worse. We're breathing it. Some of us are drinking it. And, and don't even know that that's the case. I mean, it's bad enough, Jim, that we that we look at it mosaic and, and the damage is done. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, with the gyp stacks and things. So we have heavy metals in this stuff. In in, in the coal. Oh, yeah. Heavy metals. These, are, are you? Well, a thallium. Right. Yeah. Uh, thallium's a known carcinogen, a very powerful carcinogen. How, how, how does, like, farmers, right? They could conceivably dig this stuff up and give it to farmers, and farmers will take it, and they will think they, they, they hit the jackpot because coal ash is used to change and kind of balance out the pH in soils. Uh, but what they don't tell farmers is the, the is radioactive material and the, the and, heavy metal. And the heavy metals. Oh, my um, God. Now, you, you look at the way that um, wastewater residuals, i.e. sludge, is managed in, term, in any land application form. And there's a huge litany of things you have to go through to, to legally use wastewater sludge on non-food crops. And it's got to be... Uh, you have, have to test for all the heavy metals, the radon, et cetera, or radium. Um, and you have to keep 